This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. I don't know if you were feeling what I was feeling, but uh, to have the peace of God come into our hearts and our minds, man, there's nothing like it. It can change any and every situation, whether you're in the storm and he's holding you or you want the storm to stop. Jesus is the one that provides our peace, and I know he's providing it for each and every one of our family here at Emmanuel and those that are joining in with us today. His peace is available for you. It's available for me, and uh, I'll tell you what. I'm feeling his peace, but it's a little bit different. I am getting a little bit lonely to see my people and uh, to get together and to uh, worship together and to smile together. And uh, I don't know what you've been missing the most during this season, but uh, in fact, you could even put that into the comments, however you're joining us right now, what you miss the most during this season. For me, I just miss seeing people and worshiping together, and uh, that day will come soon, and as Christians, we're always to be people that are looking forward, following that tug towards the future, believing in something that is out there. It it gets a little bit difficult during this season, so we got to tap into the faith that Jesus gives to us, and and, uh, for us, we can look into the future, and the day will come. When we gather together again in each of our locations in Maple Grove and Elk River and Spring Lake Park, it will come, and, and we're getting ready for that. We'll, we'll have all the protocols set up. We're following all the, 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 the best practices that the government is, is sharing with us, and we're going to be ready for that. And when that day comes, we're going to have all the, the, the protocols for cleaning everything up and making sure we're ready. But all of that... I just can't wait for the moment when I get to see my sisters and brothers. In fact, if you could right now, I'd love it if you'd just drop a picture sometime during the service of you, perhaps the people you're joining with and worshiping in, and, and just uh, tag Emmanuel in it, or, or even uh, uh, put the location that you're in right now, what city you're in, where you're joining us. We have people joining us from multiple states and from other nations join us on a weekly basis. But I want to know if you're in Spring Lake Park and you're joining from your home and uh, you want to tag us. I'd love to hear about it. Man, I'm just looking forward to the future and all that God has for us. In a season like this, it really requires us tapping into God's kingdom in in unusual circumstances. And uh, we've been looking in this series at hashtag blessed at how God provides his kingdom. and, And really, we're looking at who gets it. I mean, if he's going to pour out his kingdom, who's going to get the kingdom of God? And we've been looking at Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 and Jesus' Sermon on the Mountain or Sermon on the Mount as he's sharing who gets the kingdom. And uh, there's a little section there at the beginning of chapter 5 of Matthew. And you can go there because we're going to be there in a minute. And uh, as we're in that space, Jesus begins to share Beatitudes. He says, God blesses those who are, blessed are those who, and uh, we looked at the first one this last week, of course, and, uh, and I want you to know that it isn't the special people. In fact, when Jesus shared this information, it was shocking because he was sharing it with his disciples and then it would be shared with the crowds and with the masses. And that is that the kingdom of God is available for everyone. The kingdom of God isn't just for special people, rich people, people that are well-connected, people that have enough scriptures memorized or anything like that. The kingdom is available to 
everyone, and the kingdom is yours. And of course, we looked at last week, Matthew chapter 5, the first of those blessed statements, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, not the poor in that sense, but in a sense, a cavity is there, a deficit, a need for God in our life. And if you just let God know it, he's ready there to share it with you. But what is it that he's sharing? What's in the kingdom? Romans chapter 14 says this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. In other words, there's goodness, there's righteousness, there's peace that we just sang about. There's joy in the spirit. And there is no restriction of, uh, of a particular season of life that we're eligible for the kingdom of God. No, it comes during pandemics. Come on, somebody. It comes no, no matter what your income level is or your marital status. And you're not going to get it from the daily updates on the stock market. And you won't hear about it at the next press conference that you have to watch. Or you can't receive it from your friend's Facebook post or from the announcement of an end to the quarantine. No, you can only get it from the Holy Spirit. That's where the kingdom of God comes from. And so let's hear some more from Jesus about who has access to the blessing. Blessed part two, hashtag blessed part two, the kingdom is yours. Matthew chapter five, starting with verse four. God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. Now Jesus is straight up saying, the kingdom is yours if you're in one of these three categories. The first one he says is this, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You know what he's talking about? He's about dealing with your feelings. When the world is out of sorts and there's loss, I'm reminded of an old kid's show called Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And Fred Rogers was famous for his children's show where he brilliantly helped people find confidence in the next generation. He understood the whys of behavior, and his songs and his anecdotes were always about little things that really translated into big things if he caught it. Even adults could learn from him. Things like, he said this, how sad is it that we give up on people who are just like us? Hmm, think about that. One of his songs, and he would kind of sing it, or sometimes he would kind of say it to music, was, what do you do with the mad that you feel? When you feel so mad, you could bite. When the whole world seems all so wrong and nothing you do seems very right. He was tapping into the feelings. Mourning has to do with how we feel, which eventually leads to who we are. Mourning is the capacity to run toward God with our feelings. And those feelings were put there by him. It's an ability to acknowledge the hurt, the pain of loss. And Jesus says, bless, he blesses those who mourn. Mourning is a skill that isn't always taught. It isn't always there when we're growing up. Kids learn lessons about loss when they're very young. They lose a family dog, they, a friend moves away, parents get divorced. 
and the children here, it's okay, it's gonna be all right. Instead of being allowed to cry and experience the pain of loss, we're often encouraged to ignore or bury our feelings. Friends, these are God-given emotions that we walk through with loss. And there's stages of that. The stages of grief are very much God-birthed. If you experience those things, the, the denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance, and you go through them, you successfully transition through mourning, and God can bring blessing, his kingdom, in the middle of that. We are meant to progress through the stages, not bury them. Remember this, feeling is the beginning of healing. It's okay to feel what you feel. It's okay to feel agitated. It's okay to miss things. It's okay to wish things were different. It's our right to feel that way. If you stuff it, you're not gonna heal. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to help you work through those feelings, you won't stay in it. People that bury things become angry and they erupt on people around them or they have damaging, painful behaviors in their own life and it hurts their person. But I want you to know that mourning is biblical. Jesus wept when his friend Lazarus died. All Israel went through a period of mourning when Moses died. And by the time you get to the New Testament, it says this in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. In other words, we're going to grieve, but we're not going to grieve like everybody else because we've got hope in the middle of our mourning and our grieving. But you won't receive the kingdom if you avoid mourning. Jesus promises comfort to the person who mourns. Comfort comes in the form of the Holy Spirit and not the bottle. Can I get an amen to that? Jesus said that there would be a person coming after him and in John 14, 26, it says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, the Counselor, the Comforter is another title for him. He's the one that will come in with you in the middle of it. And if you're willing to acknowledge your loss, your frustration, your anger, the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the comforter will heal your heart. This is why confession is such a big deal in the Bible. If we open up to God, and it comes from the two Greek words, homo logeo, homo meaning the same, logeo to speak. If we speak the same thing to God as what we feel, he has an ability to take it out. But if we cover up, we're leaving God out of our healing. We opened up to him and he joins us at our worst moments with hope. This is why David, the psalmist, and the famous psalmist, Psalm 23, was able to talk about the valleys and the, the, the strengths and the weaknesses and the, the still waters and the table and the presence of the enemy. But then he gets to verse four and he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Whatever loss that you're feeling today, drop your guard and let him comfort you. 
The second thing that Jesus says is, is found in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 5. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. This is a powerful statement and a powerful blessing. Humility is one of the highest attributes and qualities of the entire Bible. In fact, in James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, And he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humility is a doorway to the kingdom of God. If you want the kingdom of God in your life, you got to go through humility. It is a doorway, but it's a door that can be shut with pride because God opposes the proud. Humility is a posture of the heart. It's, it's recognizing who you are and who you aren't. And also, who God is, and letting him come and handle things that you shouldn't be carrying. See, when you're secure in your identity, we don't have to view others as a threat to our identity. We're secure in him. To be humble requires an intentional step. You have to humble yourself. God doesn't, well, you don't want him to humble you, because if God humbles you, that's a terrible thing, right? But if we want to walk in the kingdom of God in, in humility, we have to learn to humble ourselves. That's what Jesus did. In Philippians chapter three, 2, there's a powerful statement about Jesus and the attribute of humility on his life that we can follow. And starting with verse 3, Paul says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, and it was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Friends, we can follow the example of Jesus Though we have the right, maybe the capacity, to look down our nose at others or to think more of ourselves than we ought, we can follow Jesus and put our own position aside because we're securing Jesus anyways, and we can love the people that are around us. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. I love this. If you're humble, then there's a promise. The blessing comes with inheritance. Well, inheritance is something that you're written into like a will. So if a person accumulates wealth over time and then they write their will, when they die, the judge opens the paperwork and in the will it determines where all that stuff that was accumulated gets dispersed. And who gets it? So what's in the will, friends? I want you to know in the middle of this, if you're humble, God says you're going to inherit the whole earth. What else is in the will? Healing is in the will. Come on, somebody. Salvation is in the will. Peace and joy and kindness and gentleness, all of that is in the will. And if you're praying for more of God's power, start humbling yourself and you'll discover all those things released in your life. Most often, God will use the people in your life as an opportunity for humility. 
You're like, well, how can I be humble? I'm sitting at home. Yeah, but you're most likely around people. You're having to connect with certain people. If you're going to the grocery store, you're living with a family, or you're living around people, you can get irritated by your next door neighbor. And the people who bug you are a setup for humility. You see, really, if you want to inherit the earth and receive the kingdom of God, you've got to recognize the way that God gives you opportunity for humility to work is the people that take you off, the people that bother you. Because if in the moment that they bother you, you can turn to the Father and say, Lord, would you give me your heart? Would you help me with this person? Would you help me respond the way you want me to? And you humble yourself before God. And instead of being proud, you treat others as you would want to be treated. Something powerful is released in your life and you have the ability to grow in your humility. The third thing that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 is found in verse 6. It says this, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice for they will be satisfied. Those who hunger, huh? Those who hunger is an active pursuit. Did you know hunger moves you? How many of you have ever been hangry? <laughs> you had to get something, right? And as soon as that hunger moved you to the refrigerator or moved you to an app to have you know, somebody deliver food to you or whatever it is right now, hunger moves you to action. And Jesus blesses those who hunger. They don't have it yet. And someone who has just started is just as blessed as someone who has been in it for a long while because we all can hunger. I want you to picture right now a big buffet, okay? We haven't been going to these kind of places during the quarantine and all of that, but I want you to think about a big display. And if you're really hungry, what is the kind of food that you would go after? What is it that you would get? Is it the green beans? Is it the meat? Is it, are you ripe for the dessert? I mean, do you dive in? What is it that you go after? Whatever you're hungry for, you load up your plate with. In other words, what you hunger for goes on your plate. And Jesus is saying, if you hunger for something specific, his specific thing is God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice. Biblical justice is a big deal. Justice and balance and care for all people is found throughout the entirety of the of the Bible. In the Old Testament, God gives specific instructions to people for how they are to treat others. If you're following the Bible in one year app, as we are as a church this year, in the past week and a half or so, there was instructions that God gave the people of Israel for how they were to treat foreigners and how they were to handle people who had been hurt or abused or somebody that's been divorced unjustly. God deals with those things in a very real way. And by the time you get to the New Testament, Jesus is extremely passionate about how we treat other people. In fact, he says, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. He says we are to care for those people that are under injustice, people that don't have a balanced life, don't have all the resources, don't have what you have. And he says, I want you to care about those things. And what we need to be careful of in this season is a lot of pride in pointing the finger at other people. You see, there can be a lot of pride. What do you mean? 
We're in a call-out generation. People just love to point out, ha-ha, you said this, you were wrong. And we get in the point where we're pointing out everybody else's faults. But as I've said over and over again, when you point the finger at somebody, you've got three more pointing back at you. The kind of justice that God is talking about isn't just calling out what everybody else is doing wrong. It is noticing the need. It is noticing what isn't right. But the action step of just protesting it and shouting out to the world doesn't move the needle of heaven. What moves the needle of heaven is when you do something about it. I think hunger can take on practical steps. I think that we can move to a place where we pray for people but we aren't going to pray for people and start, until we start noticing their needs. Until we start opening our eyes outside of our own lives perhaps and noticing our community, noticing who's needy. You know, even in a season like this, one practical thing that I've thought of is, you know, in Minnesota, we haven't had a, as many COVID cases as other places in the United States. And so we could be tempted to go, this is stupid. We shouldn't be staying home. And I know that there are practical steps our government is going to take to release businesses to get back in motion and the economy to get back. But listen, friends, while we're protesting that one thing that uh, uh, strikes to a need that we may have financially, we have nurses that are going to the hospital every day and putting their life on the line in your community. Do you realize that your statement about what's going on around here could directly impact somebody that's putting their life on the line? Noticing those things doesn't mean that what you feel doesn't, isn't real or your insight isn't real. But to act in justice and hunger for justice says, Lord, I want it all. I want the economy back. I want everybody safe. And I especially want to take care of the people that are hurting. And it's thinking and noticing the needs. Or noticing perhaps that there's somebody in your community or in your neighborhood or in your circle of friends or maybe even a Facebook friend or something that right now they don't have all the fun that maybe you have. They don't have all the connection. There are many single adults that are at home and they don't have uh, emotional, relational connection. They're in need. And you could do something about that just by making a phone call or reaching out to them or doing a Zoom call personally to connect with people. Or what about the elderly during a season like this where they're in a place where they can't go out or do certain things. And Friends, I want you to know you and I can do something about the gap. We can notice it. And we can pray for people, but we can do something with our hunger. God is calling us to do that. And I do believe he wants us praying. Some people are like, well, I can't take care of everybody's needs. There's so many needy people out there. But you can go to your needs, your knees, and pray and begin to say, God, would you take care of my city? Would you take care of the, the hurting kids, the, the broken homes, the, the, the kids that are going to school but they aren't getting food right now uh, because they don't have a school to go to to get the food and, and now they're at home and alone or maybe they don't have a, a good family situation. You can pray and advocate on their behalf. It's something you can do. And as you pray, the more we pray, we leave what we can't do in God's hands and God drops his vision on our heart for what we can do. See, there are things we can do, but you gotta, you gotta at least care. You gotta listen to the stories. You gotta pray, and as you pray, God will take care of what you can't do, and he'll show you what you can do. 
Today, uh, I have the privilege of having uh, Karan Cunningham, who is the principal of uh, Franklin Middle School in North Minneapolis. Adam Emanuel, uh, we're no strangers to Karan, and she's coming up right now. And uh, we're, we're no strangers because we had her a few years ago share something about the Franklin Rockets and the music program and all the stuff that's coming down. And uh, we're practicing the safe social distancing for this interview. But uh, uh, Karan, you care for a community of people and students and families and teachers and administrators. And uh, what's this season been like for you? Well, you know, um, Pastor... Um it has been a mix of emotions, but uh, as you know, especially as leading um, a large uh, congregation as Emmanuel, that as a leader, you have to uh, take care of your people. And also you have to take care of them with humility, with love, and also with leadership. Mm. And um, as a leader, you have to show that you're calm and that you're, you know, at peace throughout this whole ordeal. Mm. And so that's what I try to portray, you know, to my staff and to the mm. families that I talk to. So thankful that you are. And there's so many just like you in every community. Yeah. Leaders who care uh, deeply about yeah. each of those. Um, what is, what's going on in, in the Franklin community right now? And what are the kind of the things that are unique mm. to North Minneapolis and the people that you get to work with? Well, right now, as you uh, stated, you know, and everyone is very well aware of this pandemic, but um, one of the challenges that we have uh, with our students, especially with, the, uh, with schools being closed and education still expected to take place in the home, um, there's an, uh, an issue of inequity in terms of uh, students. You know, people have heard of the achievement gap that you have your, your children of color who are learning at far lower rates than, than white students. And um, it's not about ability, but it's, it's about access. Mm. And uh, for a lot of the, the students in, in, um, in my community and other urban communities, uh, one of the issues that, that they're experiencing is that they don't have mobile devices. And um, so then our school district uh, has been really uh, making an effort to get devices out to families. But then in order to be able to connect with teachers, you have to have internet. Mm. And so then we also have a huge uh, percentage of our students who do not have internet. Mm. So then our district um, really put forth funds to purchase hotspots for families. And so that is being done now. But in the meantime, basically a month of school has been lost mm. for those students who don't have internet and you know didn't have devices and and um, and then also too you know when we look at you know the term shelter in place mm. everyone at home is not in a place that they can really view as a peaceful shelter mm. you know you you have children who are in abusive families and in abusive homes and um, and now they're, they're still in that situation, but they don't have a caring adult outside of the family that they can go to, that they can receive support. Mm. You know, um, a lot of the services that are available to students are really kind of, um, kind of shut down. They're not taking in kids, so kids are stuck 
in, in those situations. And it's not just in, in my community, it's in the suburbs, it's in the rural communities. Mm -hmm. And uh, so everyone's not safe. You know, you look at domestic violence, that has increased since this mm -hmm. time. And, and it is, you know, um, when you look at people are scared mm -hmm. and sometimes for whatever reason with their emotions, um, whatever's inside, they, it, it ends mm -hmm. up increasing. So um, we just have to pray, continue to mm -hmm. pray for our children, mm -hmm. pray for our staff, mm -hmm. you know, and pray for the people who care for them. Well, I think your story, um, you, you have a unique community that you're in, but you, like you said, it's happening everywhere. And uh, as a church, we can do something like, we can hunger for justice. We can hunger for God to step in and write what isn't right right now. We can ask God to turn the tables, to send people. We can also be the people that can step into the gap. Are there anything, um, is there anything we can do practically to help the schools in our communities um, from where we are right now? And, of course, heading into the, this week, the governor announced that um, and there won't be in-classroom schooling for the rest of this calendar school year. But uh, what can we do to help teachers, uh, students, uh, uh, schools that are in our community? Well, um, as you mentioned, too, it, it, this pandemic and just the response, even like with church, the fact that church is done differently, um, but also the same thing with education. And um, there has been some limitations, but also there's been opportunities. Mm. Things that we never thought that we can do, now we're in a position that we are learning that, oh, we can do that. Mm. And who would have thought that distant learning would be an option and something that we could try to at least make work? Mm. Um, one of the things, um, people may not really understand the power of it, but prayer. That is the number one thing that mm. people can do to continue to pray for our students, pray for our teachers, pray mm. for the parents, mm. uh, because they're now in a different role of uh, some who also have to work and then also still try to make sure that their uh, young person is, is learning. But that is the, the most key thing. Um, secondly, once we are able to get back into schools, I would say it would be really uh, a blessing if people could give of their time, mm. you know, to be, uh, to volunteer, to help, to tutor kids, mm. especially there, there will be some students who have um, really regressed with mm. their learning. And so mm. we're gonna have to get them caught up. So mm. I would say those are two of the, the biggest things. So practical, so real, so thankful for you and for so many that are giving their lives for the next generation. Um, I'd like to take a moment to pray right now okay. since I have you here, yes. and uh, we'll move on with our service uh, here in a moment. But if we could, let's just begin to pray both for Quran and Franklin Middle and the families, but also schools everywhere. Okay. Father, we come before you and we thank you, Lord, that you see and you know what we don't see. You see the individual students and families and neighborhoods, and you know what's going on. The devil wants to come in to, as a thief and to rob and steal and destroy. And, and yet, Lord, you came to bring life. And we pray, God, that you would cover over each and every school district. We pray, God, that, Lord, you, you would cover over families and homes and children. 
We pray, God, that you, Lord, you would bring in great resource and people and finances and even things like internet, Lord, to help. But we pray for tutors and people that will help the students that have regressed. And may you move on our hearts as a church to be a part of the solution. And we pray, God, Lord, specifically for Franklin Middle. We thank you for Quran. We thank you for all of her staff and all of her teachers. And we pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, that you would come and that you would do a miracle in North Minneapolis. And that, God, you would do something we could have never imagined under any other circumstance. And underneath this, oh, Lord, that, Lord, you would provide for the least of these. You would provide for those that nobody else notices. You would take care of kids. And that, Lord, you would reduce Lord, and even take out the domestic abuse that, Lord, that there would be solutions and advocates and people that would step in. And even a peace, a supernatural peace that would go through each and every neighborhood. We ask for it, Lord, and we ask that you'd cover them. And we pray we would lose no children during this season. That everyone would be taken care of and we'd have them back for school in the fall. And everything would move forward. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. To learn more about the many ministry opportunities we have throughout the week, be sure to check out emmanuelcc.org.